There we go. That's our mission statement, to love God, to love people, and live to change the world. That's what, that's what we stand for. It used to be a longer mission statement and a bit more complicated, and we brought it down to three lines. That's it. Love God, love people, live to change the world. And uh, so, but that's the mission statement. And then you kind of think, well, how do you do that? What do you do? How do you do that? What does that mean? Yeah, oh, loving God and loving people, that's cool. And uh, so what we're doing is we're, we're going to do a four-week series with four R's. Introduce, integrate, invest, and impact. And those four R's represent a journey that we would love everybody in Glenridge, everybody that calls this home, that wants to be a disciple of Jesus. This is part of the discipleship culture we're trying to build. And your discipleship journey actually needs to include all four of those R's. And uh, so we're going to, over the next four weeks, tonight I'm going to do introduce. To, uh, next, eve, uh, next Sunday evening, Jan is going to be preaching on integrate. And uh, there's different pre people preaching morning and evening over the next three or four, uh, over the next three weeks after this. And we want to we unpack what this means for us because it's such a key part of what we believe God wants to do. We don't want to have a church culture, a Sunday morning culture, where you kind of come to church, do your thing. We actually want to make and, and, and kind of live only from Sunday to Sunday. We want to have a culture where actually we become followers of Jesus. We become disciples. We become people that are becoming, and to become a disciple is simply these three things. To be with Jesus, this is what the disciples did. To be with Jesus, to be like Jesus, and to do what he's doing. And so we want everybody to be moving on that journey of being with him, becoming more and more like him, and to do what he's doing. And the reason why we say do what he's doing is that he didn't stop doing something 2,000 years ago. Jesus is still working in the world today using his body, his church, you and me and all of us to accomplish his will and to see his kingdom come. And so we want that discipleship culture to be moving forward and moving along that journey. And so what we've got is we've got three or four boards, these Introduce, Integrate, um, Invest, and Impact boards. Those boards are actually going to be at the, front, at, the, well, at the front there as you walk in and on the back on that wall there. And you can see it's one, two, three, four, because it's meant to be a journey. And we want people to be on that journey. And obviously we don't want to be people to be introduced to Jesus. We want to, to just be introduced to Jesus. We want people to be introducing others to Jesus. We don't want people to be just be integrated into the life of the church. We want them to be integrating, helping others integrate into the life of the church. So all of these things, we've got to make sure that we're on the journey. But the fruit of that is that we take others along the journey. That's the discipleship journey. Actually, disciples make disciples. And so we want everybody to be, for these things to be something that hold us into the journey, but actually that we can help others in the journey as well. Because the people that, the followers of Jesus become better followers of Jesus because of the community they're in and we're in. And all of us have a responsibility to make disciples. Not just me as the leader of this team, but actually all of us have a responsibility to make disciples. And so this is one of the ways that we are going to do that. On these boards, there's all sorts of information. There's home group information. There's, and have a look at them afterwards. Don't rush off before you without having a look. There's um, investors around our GC Equip and what's happening there. There's information and pamphlets around that. So they're quite, they're quite interactive, the boards. And we're really trusting that they're going to be able to shape something of what God wants to do with us. And new people coming in will be able to go somewhere and see what we're about and what we're on about and the journey that we want them to get onto. So it's actually quite an exciting series to, 
as a, as a building block into what God wants to do with us as a community. So, could you play this video, please? This is a couple that uh, a little while ago got integrated into the life of the church, and let's hear their testimony. Hi, my name is Tumelo. And my name is Tobela, and we've been married for almost 14 years with two children. In 2017, our church closed down, and we had to look for a new home. We visited a few churches uh, before we came to Glenridge, and when we got to Glenridge, we we were happy, we felt at peace, and it was home, and the people were loving and welcoming, and also we loved how we, we got introduced to the values. They had a very planned and organized uh, session where they embraced and introduced the new potential new members to the values, the vision of the church. Three particular values spoke to us, the family, the value of um, generosity and authenticity. We firmly believe that it is our um, responsibility as believers to, to, to grow in the Lord. And, um, and the church has provided those platforms through platforms such as home fellowship, I groups, also the growth um, for my kids as well through the, the youth. And we've seen a lot of changes in their lives. We are so happy and grateful that we made the decision to make this church our home. And we hope we can make it your home too. Wonderful, eh? Tumela and Tabela, wonderful, wonderful people. 2017, I love those. And the three things that struck them were three values, three core values, which I want to get into tonight. So what we're going to do tonight is I'm going to have a look at this introducing the series, I suppose, and then introduce, and then bringing us what does introduce mean. So if we, just to, just to very quickly go through it so that you know kind of what we're talking about, introduce means to meet Jesus and his church. Introduce means to meet Jesus and his church. Inve um, integrate means to be with Jesus by joining his family. The one of the ways that we become, where we be with Jesus, that we find Jesus is an intimacy with him, and with relationship with others. So being part of a local family, local church, is integral to our growing in God and, and the process that God takes us along as we grow in Him and mature in Him. Invest is to be like Jesus by growing. We actually, friends, we've got we've to allow God to invest in our lives, and we've got to be available, we've got to be free or get past the, the inconvenience of investing in others' lives. And impact is to do what Jesus is doing by impacting the world. You see the, you'll see those, those phrases on the board. But tonight I want to talk about introduce. And, um, and obviously introducing me, the first, the, the, the big idea around introduce, or two big ideas around introduce is one, that we would meet Jesus. We want to be a people, we want to be a people that have met Jesus and help others meet Jesus. So evangelism, the, the salty life, which Wally so wonderfully spoke about last weekend and which we are now doing in a, in a training, equipping, DC equipped ch uh, course on a Thursday. If you want to join, come. It was Apparently it was, I wasn't there on Thursday, but it was incredible uh, the, from the feedback that I heard. And there, it's, it's, it's helping us help people find Jesus. Helping us, playing our part in the, in the role that God has in getting people to meet him. In, in, this, in this idea of evangelism. And I loved what Wally said. He made it so simple. It was actually just like loving your neighbor. Loving your neighbor, 
leads them to ask the questions, who is your king? As to which Jesus is the answer. And so actually this, this idea of introducing to people, Jesus to people is an incredibly big part of it. But what I want to do tonight and focus on for the next little while is, is I want to introduce you to the core values of Glenridge Church. And to remind us of the core values of Glenridge Church. Those values on the introduction video before when we prayed to gather people, those values come up and they'd be mentioned here and there in different places. But I want to formally, again, just remind us about the core values of what we believe is key for us as a church and introduce you to those. So to introduce people to Jesus and to introduce people to us as a, as a local body. And the first core value is this. And you'll see those core values on that introduced board. You'll see eight core values at the bottom there if you have a look at them. So these are all on the boards so that you can have a look at them. The first core value of eight, core values of us as a church, is God first. And what we mean by God first is that Jesus is the first or the priority of our lives. It's Jesus is not the afterthought in decision making. Prayer life is not the afterthought in decision making. We kind of make decisions and get Jesus to come along with us. Actually, we go to God first and say, God, what must we do here? What, please help us with the decision that we've got here. To put God first is not only in our personal life to, to give him priority. And to prioritize means to put the things that you value the most first. And one of our values, one of our priorities as a, as a local church is we want everybody to put God first in their life. We want people to, to think, what would Jesus do here? And it's not just the bracelet that you wear, WWJD. It's actually, that's what we live. What would Jesus do in this situation? And to put God first, to be thinking, God, how do you, how do you shape this? What does this look like? I love Sheldon's testimony this, this, this evening. Because one of the ways we put God first, as we meet him, as we introduce to him, is that we get baptized. And so for him being baptized, he was saying, God is first in my life. And if you haven't been baptized, and you want to get baptized, please come and speak to us afterwards. We'd love to organize baptism for you. You know that in Hindu and in, in other faiths, and particularly in Hinduism, where they have lots of gods, I think they've got 300 million gods or 30 million gods, like millions. They don't mind you saying Jesus is who he is. It's when you get baptized that they have a problem. Because when you get baptized, you're saying Jesus is first. Jesus is my one and only. And friends, we want to not only be baptized. When we get baptized, that's what we're saying. We're dead to ourselves. We're raised to life in him. And he is our priority. And he is our first call in everything that we do. God first. Is God first in your life? It means that God is our source. God is our source. When we're in trouble, we say, God, please. When we're in, we're in good times, we say, thank you, God, because we know that God is our source. You see, if when God is first in your personal life, it means God is first in your parenting. It means God is first in the workplace. It means when you go to work on Monday, God is still first. He's not just first on Sunday. He's first on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and the rest of the week. He's God, God is first in our lives. He's the priority of our lives. If there's time that we need to spend, it's with him. God is first. 
in our meetings, in our togetherness. It means that when we gather together, God is first. If the Holy Spirit leads us tonight, none of what's happened tonight was, was planned or orchestrated beforehand. The Bible talks about every person's got a psalm, a hymn, and a spiritual uh, song. It, it, it's like God, the, the body needs to minister and has gifts, and those bodies come, and as they minister, and as those gifts are released, so the Holy Spirit leads. And so when we say God is first as a, as a body, what we're saying is the Holy Spirit's free to lead us where he wants to. It means that actually where God wants us to go, we go. We don't plan God out of our meetings. We allow him to be God. And if God says no preaching, only worship, we do that. If God says actually three minutes of worship, preaching and some ministry, we do that. We're saying God's first as a community, as a leadership team, as an eldership team. Not people first. We are not here to make consumers of you. We are here to make disciples of you. We're not here to make life easy and convenient. We're here to make disciples, which sometimes is difficult and inconvenient. In fact, a lot of the time it's inconvenient. But if God's first, then we follow him and we put him first. So that's our first value, God first. Our second value is this. It's courageous faith. We want to be a people of courageous faith. We want to be a people that take risks in God. We want to be a people that are not scared to fail in God and then stand up again, brush ourselves off and continue to walk with Him. Sometimes, you know, the thing with risk is there's a chance that you could get it wrong. But you know what? I'd rather be risking in God and getting it wrong as best as I know how than to be standing back and become passive. See, courageous faith demands of us that when God speaks, we listen. I said this phrase this morning, radical first-time obedience. You know that as, as a parent, you, you're constantly wanting to teach your kids Radical first-time obedience. And I think God wants to teach us as a people radical first-time obedience. When I speak, friends, we're not meant to be like Gideon. God's speaking over and over and over and over and over and us not listening. Actually, we need to develop our relationship with God and know His voice, develop our ability to hear God's voice in such a way that when God speaks, we act, we obey, even if it costs us even if it's difficult, even if there's the risk of us looking like the fool sometimes. We want to have courageous faith. If we want to see the power of God move amongst us, friends, in healings and signs and wonders and all those sorts of things, if we want to see churches planted, if we want to see anything happen in God, it's going to take courageous faith. It's going to take men and women risking in God and putting it all on the line. God, if you don't come through we're done. Friends, we want to have a community that lives in courageous faith, that doesn't settle down, that always expects more, that doesn't live in com comfort zone, that understands what sacrifice is, but it's courageous faith. We want to live in that community. We want to live, thirdly, in a community 
that understands generosity. Generosity. We want to be a generous people. A generous people. And friends, that's generous in every way. I said again early, I said again this morning, I've said it many times before. I can't remember who it was, but somebody said this. You're most like God when you are generous. And we want to be people that are generous, friends. Not just generous with our money, but generous with our presence, generous with our efforts, generous with, with our words. I badly quoted Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. I thought, let me not do that again. It says this in Ephesians 4 verse 29. Do not any, let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. You know that we're meant to be a people, and, and a little bit later on in, in, in Hebrews it says, spur one another to love and good deeds. We're meant to be a people that are generous with our words, friends. Some will say, yeah, but you can puff people up by just being too over. Friends, let me tell you what, life knocks that out of you. We need, we need people that are generous with their words. It's helpful to build people up, to get people moving forward and get people built up in God. It means being generous, though. It means being generous. It means you don't have to, but do it anyway. I mean, send that text or make that phone call. Just want to say, I appreciate you. Thank you for what you did the other day or whatever it is. Just be generous with your words. Don't be stingy. Don't hold back. Don't think, yeah, but you know what they know. They don't know. Say it anyway. Be, good, be generous with our acts and our good deeds, friends. Don't hold back. I was saying this morning, one of our, one of our things as a family and, and it's become a bit problematic because now the kids are in it as well, is that when I'm at a till, at Checkers or Spa, wherever it is, I'm always looking at the person in front and behind and thinking, being trying to be led by God, maybe pay for their groceries. Just because I want to, and then I'm, and in doing that, I'm wanting to teach the kids generosity. So I do it when they're with us. But now they're in the same, hey, Dad, what about paying for these guys, you know? Are they catching it, you know, which is an amazing thing. But friends, we want to be generous. You know who the person that gets the blessed the most in one of those moments when you do that, pay for, is the teller. The teller can't believe it. They're like, hello. Can't believe that. Big smile on their face. Wow. What a day. But you know what, friends? It's a moment to say in God. God wants to say he loves you and he blessed, and I want to say bless you. Just it builds people up. It helps people. Be generous. Friends, be generous with your finances towards, not only towards other people, towards your family, but be generous with your finances towards this church, can I say. Friends, this doesn't operate on nothing. And so many lives are changed, so many lives, so many people are growing in God, so many people are doing so many different things in God. So many people are, just there's so much impact in life happening through the body of this community. But it's, be generous. Be generous towards what God's doing in, in this body as a church. Just be generous, friends. Be generous with everything. Be generous with your possessions. Be generous with your car. When there's a trip going to Mozambique, and maybe you can't go, but you've got a 4x4 that's never had to be in 4x4 before. 
Be generous with it. What about saying, here we go, I can't go, but here's my car, so that others can go. Be generous. Be generous with everything that we are. The fourth thing is honor. And honor in the Bible, if you, if you look it up in the, in the kind of the, the, the Greek dictionary thing, is this, it's to set a value and never let it drop. So when it says, do one an, outdo one another in honor, in Romans chapter 12, it's the one thing you're allowed to be competitive in in the church, is in honor, in setting value, is in valuing people. It means, it means this, it means to, to set a value of Greg, and even if he ba- behaves badly towards me, the value doesn't drop. You know, the Bible says you've got to love your enemy. He's my brother. So even if he does something that I don't expect him to do, his value still stays where God put it. See, it's a value, it's a, it's an, it's a value that we want to have as a community. Where actually we value everybody, friends. Everybody has, every human being has created value. Created value. When they were born, whether before God put value in them, before they were born, the Bible says in Psalm 139. Even if you earn a lot of money, or you earn very little money, we want to value you. See, we want to be a co- in a community of honor that does those sorts of things. We want to be in a community where our relationships are not based on attractiveness, but on genuine love. If you have a marriage that was based on attractiveness, it means you continually have to be more and more attractive for somebody to be in relationship with you. We don't want to do that, friends. We want to be in a relationship where we genuinely love one another. Even if they're not that attractive at the moment. But that is the love that God has for us. When we were least attractive to God, he died on the cross for us because of his love. See, it's a, it's a culture of honor. How do you see people? Do we judge people easily? Ah, oh, this person, because they did this, this, or that, now you put them in this box. Or actually, do we see God's created value? We don't judge others by the flesh, Corinthians says, anymore. We don't see each other by the flesh. We see each other by what God has put in them, in each other. That's what it means to live in a culture of honor. A culture of honor recognizes and rejoices in the differences that we have. We, we, we can all be very different. And in fact, we can be so different that we irritate one another. But we still honor one another. We still value one another. We still recognize what God has over every single person that he puts us into contact with. You know, friends, in a culture of honor, there's no cliques in the church. There's no cliques. Cliques are, we stay together because we like each other and we're all the same. And we form a clique. We form a close set of friendships that stay, that exclude others. We confine yourself to your favorite few. Friends, the church is not that. It's a culture of honor where we easily allow others into our relationships, even if they're different to us. Friends, if we want to build a multi-generational church, we've got to have a high degree of honor. 
It means that we've got to see older people and the wisdom and the perseverance and the amazing walk that they've had with God over many years through many hardships and been through many things and are still walking with God and we've got to love them and honor them and thank God for them that they're amongst us. And we've got to have young people amongst us in their zeal and their sometimes lack of wisdom. We've got to honor them and thank God for them. You see, if you want to build multi-generational churches, you've got to have a high degree of honor. You've got to value people, young or old. Friends, if we want multiracial and multicultural church, we are a multiracial, multi-church. It means we've got to have high degrees of honor. We don't relate to each other on the basis of our skin color. We relate to each other on the basis of God's created value over us and in us. And the fact that Jesus has pulled us together in him. And so we relate to each other on that basis. That's what a culture of honor means. It's not just a moment of honoring somebody publicly once in a moment. It's actually a community understanding that actually for us to bridge all these gaps and to bridge all these, these isms, we need to live in honor. We need to value people. We're a culture of honor. The fifth thing that value, the core value that we have is we want to be a family. Want to be a family. Which means we walk out our faith relationally, not programmatically. It means we build our lives together around tables, dining room tables, and coffee tables where we can get into each other's lives and ask each other the questions and get to know each other. We're building a family. That's why the Bible talks about us being brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's why God is our Father in heaven. Because He expects us to operate as a family. It means that leaders are like parents, not just leaders, that are cold and clinical. No, 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 we, we lead people in such a way like we would a family. If this was your child or th this was your brother, physical brother, how would you be speaking to him or her? Not just, well, I'm the pastor. No, you're building a family. You're building something that has relational integrity and, 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 and gets worked out relationally. Which means, friends, our meetings even carry a family feel. Our meetings together carry a family feel. That's why there's children around. and That's why we don't get irritated with children, friends. You know these boys that come and they play ball and they do their thing? My son's one of them. He comes before church sweating. If we understand the family value, we're okay with that. Might be a bit loud, might be a bit over the top sometimes, but they're kids. And you know what? They love coming to church. They love coming to church. They love coming to church because they're with their friends. Friends, we're building a family. Come early, yeah. And they want to come early. They want to come before, half an hour before, so they can get a good game in. But friends, if we start to get irritated and we become this, we stop being a family. Because in our families, that's what we do. Kids play and it's a bit loud sometimes and you've got to bring it down a bit, but we allow them to be kids. We're building a family. And children are part of the family. 
family also means that you have responsibility and ownership of the family. You have privilege and responsibility, and you have ownership of the family. It means that if we understand family, and that I'm not the boss of this thing, but actually we all got a part to play, and we're all part of the family, actually we all take responsibility. And I used the example this morning that if there's litter or a cup lying on the floor, I don't wait for the cleaner to come and pick it up. No, I'll go and pick it up, put it in the rubbish bin. I take ownership for that. My family this, my home this. And all of us take this part. We all looking, we're always looking after the kids. The reason why it can be a safe place for the kids is because you've got hundreds of moms and dads thinking what's, what's going, how, who. We, we're taking ownership of this family. And I want to encourage you to not only participate in the privilege of it, but to take this, participate in the responsibility of it. It means serving on a Sunday. It means teaching kids' ministry, shine. It means making coffee. It means being in a welcome team or being in part of the setup teams. Or It's just taking responsibility of the family. It says, this is my family and I've got a part to play. And you would hate your children or your husband or your wife to act like that at your house. Actually, at home, everybody gets a part to play. On Tuesday, Wednesday mornings, Cammy and my job to take the rubbish out. I'll go outside to the black bin, and in summer, DT says he doesn't have this problem because he's got it completely whacked, but in my house, there's little white things all over that thing. You know that stuff, it's disgusting. But it's my job, I'll go and do that. And Cammy goes inside, he takes the one out the bin, and he takes the yellow ones that he connects all the, 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 the plastic and the thing, and he takes it out, and we meet together, and we go and put it outside. It's part of a family. It's a terrible job. I keep saying to Heather, babe, can't we share the responsibility of that as well? I mean, I'm happy to do some other stuff, but maybe we can share the rubbish thing. And she's like, no, that's your job. I'm not touching Megan. It's part of the responsibility and privilege of family. Number six is authenticity. We have a value of authenticity, which means... I love the fact that Dustin prayed for me the way he did. He said, Stan, thank you that you are walking out what you are talking. That for me is one of the greatest compliments I can receive as a leader. Because it's living out this idea of authenticity. Friends, our walk with God has got to be authentic. Not full of masks. When you're in trouble, come and tell people you're in trouble. When you've had breakthrough, come and share the breakthrough. Be authentic. Be real. We want to have a value that the person up here speaking is the same person at home on a Sunday night. And as soon as that changes, friends, I've got to stop leading. You don't want to be part of a church that that is not the case. You want to be part of a church that is authentic. Our faith is authentic. We struggle, we talk about our struggles, we talk about our vulnerabilities, we talk about, we be transparent with each other. It's a value that we have, authentic Christianity. It's radical, but it is real, friends. Which means, we don't pray with a different voice to the one we talk to, talk with. 
like God hears amen and hallelujah and a, a very kind of crisp kind of Barry White voice better than what he does, does your normal voice. Friends, we're real. We're just us. And I, and I want to say again this morning, it came to me when I was preaching, I want to say it again tonight. Friends, if you've, every now and again I say, hey, come and pray for, pray for the meeting before to somebody. And they're like, oh no, what am I going to pray? Friends, there isn't a right prayer. Just come and pray, be real. If it's short, let it be short. If it's longer, let it be longer. There's no, there's no special formula. There's no special, just be real. Just be who you are with God. And be the same person that you are there as you are at work. Friends, please, can we be the same people at work as we are on a Sunday morning? He's so accommodating at hey, Sunday. Yeah, my brother. Sure, no problem. But at work, hey, you idiot, hunting, whatever. It's not authentic. That's, the, that's where the church has got into trouble. Well, what a bunch of hypocrites. We have a value, a high value of authenticity and openness. And you see what you, do, what you see is what you get. Number seven, moving on quickly, is multiplication. In Genesis chapter one, God said to Adam and Eve, be blessed, be fruitful, be multiplying, and be subduing. He didn't say be blessed and be fruitful. Didn't stop there. You know, we can stop there because the blessing of God can come upon us and we can live a fruitful life but affect nobody else's life. When in fact the fruit that he's been given to us is actually meant to be eaten by those around us. You see, we, inherent in the, in the cultural mandate from God in Genesis chapter one was the church would be a multiplying group of people. We've got to have in our mindset, how am I multiplying myself? If you're on a coffee team, you've got to be thinking, if I have to leave this church tomorrow, are there three people that can do this job better than me when I leave? Not the same as you, better than you. Because in this multiplying process, it's meant to be from glory to glory. But do we think like that? Do we think like that in our businesses? I was so blessed the other day, babe. Who were we talking to? Comes to me now. I was at an 80th, I was at an 80th birthday party and I sat next to a couple that I didn't know. And uh, he's in the construction business. And he said, you know what? The guy that led me to the Lord, Tony Sivrat, who used to be in Impagenia, Richards Bay, he's now in Joburg, he's leading a church in four ways. And he said, you know what, I used to work for, I don't know who, a construction company. And he said, I don't know if you know this guy, he's involved with the church as well. His name's Tony Sivrat. And actually, you know, when, before he went into ministry, he prepared me to take his job. I thought, jeez, wicked. So when, when Tony was called out of construction into church leadership and planting a church, he had already raised up somebody to take his job. So he went to his bosses and said, I know the person, I've been working with him for the last two years. His name is John. Amazing, eh? Friends, that's, it's part of who we are. Do we think multiplying? Do we think this, this cultural mandate of be blessed, be fruitful, be multiplying? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 says this, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So this multiplying, it goes not just teach those people, but teach those people that they can teach those people. Two down. 
Do we live like that? Do we teach our kids so that our, our grandchildren will know? That's how serious God takes this multiplying thing. And as a church, we want to be that. Friends, if we're gonna plant churches all over the world, you know that we, we, you can't just kind of plant churches if you haven't got a base that's growing and multiplying. You can't live the missional life that God wants us to live unless we're a multiplying church. So that the person that's planting or the couple that's planting, by the time they leave, they've, they've released five or six home groups out of, their, out of their home group. And actually they've replaced themselves multiplied times. So when they leave, they're like a, like a hand out of a bucket of water. They don't even know, they, nobody's gone. And people think, yeah, but you know what? They're not even gonna notice we're gone. It's meant to be like that. If, we, if we're like, oh no, what are we gonna do without them now? We actually haven't done well. We haven't built kingdom. We built around me. Multiply. Get the drift. We are a seedbed of leaders called to impact and change the world that have been multiplying. And lastly, our eighth value as a church, as, as I introduce you to Glenridge's church's value system, is that we are to be a going church. We're a going church. Friends, when we get born again, we get an identity from God. We get an identity document. But it's not just meant to be an identity document. It's meant to be an identity document and a passport together. Because actually in the inherent multiplying nature of God, there's this going and the sentness that comes through the heart of Jesus into every single one of his disciples. And friends, when I say go, I mean go across the road, go across the fence, go across the boundaries of a nation, go across the seas, just go. We have got to be going. Man, and, and what we can't do is use finances as an excuse. God will provide. And our, with our weak grant and our, ter and, our, and our ailing economy, God will provide South African men and women to go to the nations of the world to be a blessing to them because that's the design of God on his people. It's so exciting, myself, G, uh, uh, Graham Kedder, Christian Bredenkamp, and Hilton Mandel, four of us from Glenridge, uh, together with Mark Nauman from The Rock and Tim Peterson from uh, Church in Toti, are going to Australia on Thursday. One, to spend time with Dudley Daniel, who is a father uh, in the faith that is, it's a mentoring and fathering, kind of enlarging time with him, which is profoundly life-changing. But more than that, actually we're ministering in different churches the weekend before and the weekend after because actually God has designed it that God will take African people from Africa to Australia to bless them. And God will lose you and me to go to different parts of the world and into different nations to bless them. Are we going? Go and make disciples of all nations. And that go means in your going. It means not just when you go on a mission trip. It means in all of life, in your going, in your living out, make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Immersing them in the Godhead. Immersing them in the love of the Father. Immersing them in the love of the Son. Immersing them in all that God has for them in the Holy Spirit. That they would know Him intimately in every aspect of who He is. 
and teaching them to obey everything I have taught you until, and I will be with you to the end of the age. And all of that that he says, it comes with, and I will be with you to the end of the age. God has called us to go as a church. We want to be a going church. We want to live beyond ourselves. People are waiting on the other side of your obedience as you go. People's lives are waiting to be changed. And you know what? You can put a price of whatever a, a ticket costs to go to Australia or to the UK or to America or whatever it is, and you can put a price tag on it. Friends, if it's for one people's life uh, to be changed, it's worth it. Because God wants us to go. And he wants us to go with, uh, with the promise of him being with us, knowing that he is gonna bless people through our lives. So let's get beyond ourselves, let's get beyond our walls, let's get beyond our borders, let's get beyond what's the comfortable and the convenient, and let's trust God to go. We wanna be a church, friends, that puts God first in their lives, that lives out of a courageous faith, that lives generously in every aspect of their lives, that understands that, the, that honor is a, is, a, is a mandate of heaven, that we value everybody. No matter who they are, no matter where they live, no matter what they earn, no matter what their situation, we value them. We wanna be a people that live in a family, an authentic family, and we live that out in everyday life, in our meetings, in our, in our homes, in every way. We wanna be a people that live authentically, that are real. We wanna be a people that are multiplying and we wanna be a people that are going. This is this community of people, Glenridge Church, that's 36 or 37 years old. And those values have been the bedrock of this church from the time it was planted. Those are not new values. Those are, those are, those are put together. In fact, we put those together when Ryan was leading. We put those values together and we said, actually, these are some of the things that we would highly value as a church. And we want to live them out. We don't want to just be, they don't want to just be not, uh, kind of words on a board. We actually need to be words in our hearts that are lived out in everyday life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.